Hello and welcome back to the On Point Podcast. Today I'm joined by Daniel Six, who's actually our first Doha competitor or actually recent alumni on this podcast. And he sent me this, this speech ranks ranking, so I'm just going to read off a little bit of his achievements. So he was ranked number one in Texas for both, I guess, in general and also for speech. Um, correct me if anything is wrong here or if I read it wrong. And national rank for extemporaneous was third, first in Texas, 13th for impromptu in national ranks, ninth for Lincoln Douglas, 17th Lincoln Douglas value speaker, and the list goes on. Um, but probably most importantly, his biggest achievement was starting a podcast, which I believe is probably like the craziest, most important achievement <laughs> ever. Um, so besides that, thank you so much for joining me here, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me, Luke. Really appreciate it. And actually the inspiration for, I guess not the inspiration, but um, that my last year at LD, I remember I was looking all over the internet for ideas in LD and I actually found your podcast and I've listened to no a few of your um, LD episodes. So very good job. I, I've enjoyed your podcast a lot. That's awesome. Well, I do have one first question before we begin. It's probably the most important one. Um, how did you get so many reviews? Oh, for my podcast? For your podcast, yeah. Yeah, so Stoa is a very connected community in that there's a lot of Discord servers. We're very, I'd say we're very interconnected. We all kind of know who the good competitors are. We all are very aware of everyone in the community. And it, it's pretty tight-knit. Like, obviously, there are a lot of us. I think um, there are over, there's around... a over a thousand stoa competitors in total um but the way i got a lot of people on board in the podcast was one the timing uh it was before night talk everyone at that point you know the the thing at the top of their mind is speech and debate and i thought i could offer something to them that would you know help them enjoy the community and the time uh, while they were preparing for night talk and the way i got i would say that many views is just through hyping it up. I made like a trailer, like a hype video for the podcast, basically, um, where I'd include clips of the podcast in the trailer. And I also just put it all over the Discord where, uh, you know, all the Stoa people are and got as many people hyped up as possible. And then obviously, finally, it would just be like content. I tried to make the content yeah. as educational, um, but also as entertaining as possible. And, you know, that kind of got me in trouble a few times uh but you know it was a great time yeah if um anyone listening to this podcast wants to check it out it's i believe it's called unshakable right yes that's correct unshakable yeah. and it was originally yeah, a podcast about uh lincoln douglas debate for stoa leading up to night talk basically interviewing the top lincoln douglas competitors um because that year lincoln douglas was very competitive a lot of people had their eyes on the championship and i really wanted to just you know show everyone what the top competitors were like and so i got to interview a bunch of them but then it turned into more of a uh, all of stoa thing i mean i had some tpers on um did some extra episodes and now i think um we're gonna have my friend mark roos a tpier he's probably gonna take over but you know hmm. um it became i think less educational and more entertainment focused <laughs> Yeah, I realized that really quickly. I remember I was I was taking a trip, like a two-hour trip up to Jacksonville. I live in like Orlando area. And I just listened to your podcast with my with my dad the entire time. And I was really sad because 
I think he took down that one episode with um Thorgan. Was it Thorger Baker? Yeah, Thorger Baker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really disappointed that was about one of that. My favorites. I loved. I loved Thorger. <laughs> I love that episode. Um, but you know, I think in Stoa, uh, I don't know if this is true also for NCFCA, but there's a very it's a culture where a lot of the parents kind of have this expectation of what the students are like and what they're supposed to how they're supposed to conduct themselves and i'm not like even though like what some of the things we're doing on the podcast was obviously not necessarily bad or wrong it was just you know kind of fun like kind of yeah it's kind of like what a bunch of dudes would just sound like if you recorded their normal conversations you know but i think they, they they really couldn't um understand that you know we weren't always like you know outside of the round when we're not in our suits we don't talk the way we do and and apologetics round it's just it's just different and i think yeah. that and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and so he was just getting a ton of backlash for it from parents and coaches so um we we, we unfortunately had to take it down yeah that's understandable but I think after that episode and just listening to like several of your episodes, um, there's definitely like a pattern that emerges like compared to my podcast. I feel like we have different styles in the sense that when someone listens to my podcast, it's much more interview based, but yours, it's a very natural conversation. So I want to ask you, like, what was like your approach if you had any like as you recorded those episodes? Yeah. So originally I had kind of a list of questions that I was going to ask everyone and they were going to be pretty similar. And then depending on who the person was, I'd have a few more personalized uh, questions. Uh, but I really, as I got into it, you know, and I started interviewing, it just kind of naturally flowed. Um, I love having conversations with people. And so most of my conversations end up flowing pretty naturally, um, even because sometimes the person's extroverted, sometimes they're introverted. Sometimes it's easier to make conversations, sometimes it's harder. Um, but once I got in there, it, stuff just started flowing out very naturally. And I actually like that better than just sticking with a pretty strict script. I like just, you know, going with the flow. And, you know, that's much better, I think, for conversations when you're just practicing listening to what they're saying and actually trying to get something out of it. Whereas just kind of thinking in your mind, like what you have to say um, and yeah. just make it make it more conversational. And it just flowed more naturally. And I think you can learn a lot more that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely one of the big takeaways I had from listening to your podcast. And from this podcast experience that you had, um, I imagine that you stopped making episodes or stopped planning to make episodes yourself on it, right? Um, yes. Since, you know, I graduated, not only am I much more busy, but I'm also much less connected uh, to the community. And, you know, it's really not the same when you're not in it, when you're not competing, when you're not obsessed with it you know i was completely like and utterly obsessed with specifically lincoln douglas uh when i was in high school and you know when you're not competing in it it doesn't have the same kind of grip on you but um, i'd love to keep the podcast going and uh, i hope i hope it will continue um, we're still we're still figuring that out though yeah so like from the time that you would make those episodes during this past summer i'm standing now in like retrospect do you have any like big takeaways that you had from the podcast or anything that you learned just from the entire process of doing it yeah so the podcast was really 
just kind of an impulsive idea that just hit me like it was 10 a.m in the morning and i was just like <laughs> oh wait let's i i could make a podcast about stoa lincoln douglas like it just popped into my head and then you know i was like like kind of started thinking about what that would entail how i'd have to email people how i'd have to you know it, a lot of moving pieces getting people on board um making everything work and making sure it wasn't just a huge flop that made me look really stupid and embarrassed myself but you know sometimes you just have to go for it so it was kind of like the idea popped into my head and then i immediately just went for it you know like basically within that five minutes i'd already written out my email and started sending it out to the <laughs> top lincoln douglas competitors um and I just got really excited because, you know, when you have an idea to do something that you genuinely enjoy, you kind of have to just take that risk of, you know, being rejected or um, having people say no. Like I, at first I thought the podcast wasn't going to work out because after I sent out those emails, the top um, competitors, like I think the people ranked number one and number two in the nation um, said they didn't want to do the podcast. And I was like, oh, shoot, this is not actually going to work out. And this is just going to look really stupid. Um, but, you know, you just go for it anyway, and you just adapt uh, to the circumstances. And, it, and it, turned it, out, it turned out to be awesome. Yeah, for sure. I can kind of see the same thing with my own podcast. But kind of moving a little bit more about, like, your speech and debate career specifically. Um, how did you get started with speech and debate? And, so, like, where did you start from? Yeah, so my family, we've been homeschooled since I was... In first grade um but we lived in china for most of my childhood and we didn't move mm -hmm. back till 2020 we were missionaries in china and so when we moved back in 2020 uh, the very first activity that we got involved in was stoa speech and debate and basically the summer we moved back to the united states we started that um and and the reason was we our cousins had done speech and debate and they loved it so you know that was just something we thought we could get involved in and so uh, you know got started and, you know, uh, so that was my first year in speech and debate. I think I was um, a sophomore. Yeah, I started as a sophomore. And, you know, I sucked my first year. But, like, it, it is just a learning experience. And I originally, I, I hated it because I thought I, like, going in, I thought I was a good speaker. I thought I was good at debate. And then I realized quickly that I wasn't. But um, it's, it's a great experience and I grew a lot from it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like the, the start for everyone, of course, minus the China part. But everyone starts from humble beginnings and um, it's cool how you kind of moved up, um, especially towards your achievements that I read out towards the beginning. That's pretty cool. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about like the STOA and CFCA dynamics. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like how do you view the average ncfca just describe what this person looks like um well in stoa we look at ncfca with uh scorn probably <laughs> um we see you guys as um either one not good at speech and debate not saying this is true it's just how we see you guys one yeah 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 not good at speech and debate and two we also see you guys as not as um not as Christian as our league. Those are our oh. two. That those are our kind of the the two things we see ourselves as like the actually actual homeschoolers who actually have better values and also are better at speech and debate. I can't attest to the truth of any of these statements because I haven't met or debated or competed in NCFCA. 
Um, but I would say that's how we see all. And we obviously are the superior league, and I think we will be sure. here a while. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that, that's pretty cool. Though. I always like talking to people about how they view, you know, NCFCA and STOA because they're, they're both like Christian speech and debate leagues, predominantly homeschooled or homeschooled, some private schooled. Um, so it's always interesting to see how like the two sides clash with their ideas about each other. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of NCFCAers think the same way you brought up about. I scholars. bet they do. I bet they do. For sure. Yeah. So, throughout your Stoa experience, what areas do you think you grew the most in? I think um, one of the areas I grew the most was probably how I approached the idea of winning, um, because obviously speech and debate is very competitive. It's there's a big um, there's a big like culture of it really matters to win. Um, and I think you realize that when you go into a tournament and there's like a hierarchy in who's kind of cool and who's not cool. And that hierarchy is kind of based on who wins, right? Um, and the more you win, it feels like the more friends you have. And if you don't win, no one really wants to hear what you have to say. And it's really sad, um, and, but it's kind of true. And then just kind of dealing with that, uh, what I learned is one, like people have different skills, um, different talents. And so you have to realize that when you go into a social hierarchy like that, that you don't have to go along with it, right? Like, you don't have to agree. Like, everyone else is treating this person like they're really important, and this person like they're not important um, because one wins in speech and debate and one doesn't. Um, and that's just very arbitrary, and it doesn't make any sense, right? Because um, yeah. it really doesn't reflect your value as a person. So that's that'd be the first thing I learned. Basically, you shouldn't accept you know, the social hierarchy of wherever place you go, just because people say, um, this person's cool and this person's not. And the other thing was how I saw myself. Um, winning was very important to me because of that social hierarchy. Basically, I wanted to feel like I was important and smart. Um, mm -hmm. But I realized, you know, like, debate is very, very, very subjective. Like, the difference between going to finals and winning the tournament and you know not winning the tournament or not even qualifying is one judge and i realized judges are very crazy they will vote off the smallest things and sometimes they won't we vote well and sometimes they don't and the whole the whole sport is very 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 subjective um especially lincoln douglas where judges will vote off one little thing that someone said like in their third speech that just stuck in the judge's mind um but i would say just keep in mind that debate is subjective and that you really shouldn't put your identity in winning um a sport that one doesn't actually in my opinion reflect any amount of future success and two that is inherently very very subjective yeah 100 percent. that's some really good insight there um, I know I asked you a similar question earlier, but do you think that as a person, you grew any through the podcast that you made? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, not only not only did it give me, obviously, better skills at interacting with new people, uh, it also just helped me handle, uh, like, not only, and also building relationships with people in STOA, like, new friends, new community. It, I felt connected to the community in a completely new way. Um, 
but I would say it also just taught me a lot about managing conflict. Um, one of the lessons I learned from the podcast the cast is that you, you really can't please everyone. Um, I learned that very quickly and that sometimes people would complain that the episode was too boring. And then if I made it very entertaining, quote unquote, entertaining, people would complain <laughs> that it wasn't educational or that it was too offensive or that it hurt their feelings. And then I realized, you know, you, you really can't please everyone. So what you should do is you should just set set a goal, set a purpose. Like, why am I doing this podcast? What am I trying to achieve? Who am I trying to help? And then just stick with that and do what you think will accomplish that purpose best. And just don't care what anybody thinks or tells you. Obviously, take advice, but ultimately, you're not going to be able to please everyone. And uh, I learned that very clearly through the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And I'm assuming that most people listening to this don't have a podcast. So what do you think um, can be something attained to something like similar to a podcast? Or what's a skill do you think that most people listening to this uh, should receive um, that you may have received through the podcast? Um, like obviously like some skills that you mentioned, like being able to interact with people better, setting goals and not necessarily trying to please everyone. Um, what are some ways do you think that people are able to see their skills grow in that way? Um, like by themselves as a person besides right. like starting right. a podcast. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of the skills you get of starting a podcast come when you start anything, right? Like it's very easy to join an organization or to, um, you know, get involved with something that already exists. But if you want to not only really push yourself to your limit, but also just kind of open your mind to like a whole new world of communicating with people, managing conflict, being creative, the best way to do that is just to start your own, whether it's an organization, your own volunteer group, your own club, whatever it is, if you start it yourself and you are a founder, um, that is what puts you in a position to get those skills. So like one, it helps obviously applying to college, applying to anything, but also just one thing any of us can do is just look for a problem or something you think people want or need. And then you can supply that through the skills that you have, um, whether that's you see something in your community that you could fix and you get a few people together and start, whether that's a nonprofit, a volunteer group, all of these things, just being the person who's willing to step out there, take the risk and start it. Um, that is, I think, what gives you those skills that you need to not only succeed in high school and in college, but also just in life in general. Absolutely. Um, and let's hone in a little bit more on like this Lincoln Douglas skill of yours, not skill, but because you did pretty good at Lincoln Douglas, um, I figured I'd ask you some questions on that. Okay. So in the same way as like, I just asked you about like the podcast, um, you know, there's a lot of like general advice that people give for Lincoln Douglas. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about like your Lincoln Douglas style and then perhaps something that separates you from other Lincoln Douglasers, if there is anything? Yeah. So First, I guess you you'll probably want to know my personal history. Um, I went into Lincoln Douglas, and I, I really appreciated my club. And uh, I'm, my club's called Invictus B Days. And my coaches help; um, they were very helpful to me. Um, but as I got, you know, farther into my Lincoln Douglas career, I realized you kind of have to figure a lot of things out for yourself just through experience and. 
Um, one of the best ways to do that is one, to get around debaters that are good. Um, people mm -hmm. who, who speak well, who win in competitions and, and just learn from them. Be willing to be humble. Like if you see someone in a round and a lot of the time I see people in finals and people are complaining about how the person in finals is debating. Um, you shouldn't do that because there's a reason they're in finals and you're not. So you need to learn from them, see what they're doing and see how you can do what you're doing better. Uh, the same thing applies to ballot mining. Basically look at your ballots, see what you're doing wrong and actually be willing to change. Um, that's one of the things I've seen in speech and debate. People will go into a round and they're, they, they've debated the same way basically their entire career and they're not willing to change that. You have to be willing to change in order to improve as a debater. Even if it's something you thought you were doing well, you can't hold on to anything too tightly. Another thing that I would say is develop your own uh, speaking style, right? Every single person's different. I know some people who do very well with a much more calm, laid back, um, where they really build their own credibility, a more like teacher kind of style. And it just works well with their, their personality and who they are because that's who they are as a person. And the judge can see like they're not faking anything. This is how they're talking. And it just comes across very persuasively and also makes them much more likable. Um, for me personally, I'm a much more passionate, energetic debater. Um, and so I would bring that out in the round because my strength would be through projecting confidence, through controlling the room. Um, and obviously you have to balance that with com not coming across as too aggressive. But, you know, just finding like what is it that... I am naturally as a person and how can I channel that into a speaking persona that um, helps me win rounds. And the last thing I'd say is in Lincoln Douglas, obviously research is important and understanding cases and philosophy is important. I, I see that as the baseline. Everyone should be doing that. Um, but what you really need to be doing is just practice over and over and over, like practice, you know, four point refutation, practice word economy, um, just Get into as many rounds as you possibly can. And, you know, once you have that practice of, you know, speaking it around, it all becomes, all the basic stuff becomes second nature. And then you can really start working on all the little things that set a really good debater apart from, you know, a mediocre debater. Because uh, at first glance, it's not that obvious. Like two people can be making the exact same argument with the exact same tag because they're using, you know, the same brief or the same case. But right. it will come across as dramatically different depending on the skill level of the debater because of a lot of things that make you really good at debate are those really small, minute things that add up in a big way. And I think one of the best ways to start working on that is to work on your speaking persona and um, how you're delivering arguments. Do you think that the equivalent to people's personalities in speech and debate is their speaking style? I would say that your speaking style needs to align somehow with your personality, right? Like if I, I have tried this before because for a while I got um, some ballots saying I was too aggressive. And instead of being less aggressive, I completely changed my speaking style where I would speak very calm, very slow, uh, basically completely changing the, the kind of persona I brought into the round. And it actually did not do as well. Um, I, I didn't get as high speaks and I didn't win as many rounds. And I think the reason was because the judge looks at you and they say, see you trying to embody something that you are very clearly not. It just doesn't come across right. So being real is such an important part of speech and debate. Like coming across as insincere just turns the judge off immediately. I mean, sometimes you can come across as insincere, um, like even when you're trying to be sincere. 
Like it's so easy to come across as fake. That's why it's so important to just master your speaking style. Um, know like what kind of communicator you are outside the round. You know, what are your strengths in communication outside the round? And then bring those in the round. Like, am I more of a confident, um, passionate speaker? Am I someone who commands more um, credibility? Obviously, we like to use the persona diamond um, where we have all the different speaking personas. Um, I would definitely recommend using that. But also just figuring out what your personality is and how you can find a speaking persona that's both likable, persuasive, and just represents who you actually are. Yeah. And just because someone naturally instincts to a certain type of style, that doesn't necessarily mean it's their personality reflected. It could just be something that that person is uh, attempting to imitate a, a good speaker, but that doesn't oh, yeah. necessarily 100%. mean that it's their own unique style, right? Right, right, right. I know many yeah. people who are not funny who try and be funny in their <laughs> and it it just doesn't work at all. So, you know, just be yourself and... Um, you know, if you're if you're a person who uses humor in their everyday and it works, use that in the round. And if you're not, then don't try to be funny when you're not. Absolutely. That's some really good speaker persona advice. Um, kind of transitioning out of that a little bit more as we start starting to end. Um, again, we don't want to get like too spicy. You know, we talked about that earlier. But what would you say is like your hottest take now that you've graduated and you can say some things maybe up to you? that um that maybe you you wouldn't be able to say so openly when you did when you were competing if there's anything yeah i try to be as transparent about my opinions as possible both back then and now i mean obviously my podcast isn't about me so it doesn't actually have many of my personal opinions in it but you know i try to not let people tell me what i can and can't say like no matter what but just something that I've always believed and that I've always said is, you know, the Christian aspect of Stoa and the um, very Christian conservative culture. I think that is a good thing. And, you know, I love the values that made Stoa what it is. But a lot of the ways that we use Stoa, you know, like whether that's APOL or these supposedly Christian events and we turn them into competitions, I actually really don't like that. Um, because I think one, very few of the competitors who do well are doing well because they're reflecting the values of Christ in their own lives. It's because they can impress a judge with how well they speak. Um, I think that ultimately, a lot of the times these events put people's pride and their faith in the wrong place. Basically, their pride and their faith is kind of based on how well they can communicate not an actual understanding of God and a relationship with him. And so I think a lot of the time, and maybe even most of the time, events like apologetics um, can actually make things worse and are a net harm on the faith of the people who compete in them. That would be my my take. I think uh, basing your faith kind of on your performance in April or even just competing in April in general and thinking like that's where you're going to get confidence for your faith ultimately increases your chances of falling away from the faith because your mm -hmm. faith shouldn't be based on apologetics. It should be based on an actual experience that you've had with God. Yeah. So I guess like in a different way or in the same way, but kind of like rewarded, make it more like about the process of actually um, doing the April speech 
with your own personal self instead of doing it for like the competition is what right. you're saying right and not basing your faith on apologetics period and that your ability to use logic and reasoning to defend the faith is an, is important but it's not where your faith comes from and it's not where the person you're evangelizing to faith will come from either um they're not going to become followers of jesus i think and they shouldn't just based on the logic of your arguments they're going to become followers of jesus based on the conviction of the holy spirit absolutely um well you've dropped a lot of pieces of uh, not evidence advice here in this podcast but if you could impart like one piece of advice um to someone who's listening to this uh could it be speech and debate it could be just in life in general um what would you think it would be my advice would just be honestly don't take yourself too seriously and don't obviously you want to work hard and do as well as you can but um you know if you if you take yourself very seriously i think not only will you not do as well um but you won't enjoy the process as much because i mean half the fun of speech and debate is just having fun um yeah like uh, the best part of speech and debate is the community making friends just having a good time and really enjoying being in the debate round so if you kind of take it easy don't take it too seriously don't beat yourself up too bad when you don't do as well or when you have a speech that's not that great like it's it's really not that big of a deal you're going to be fine um you're going to get better and it doesn't reflect how valuable you are as a person or how successful you are going to be in the future or how smart you are it really doesn't um and i think that if you are in the round and the judge sees that you're having a good time they're going to have a good time too and just enjoy the process and you know i try and go into every round and enjoy debating because debating's fun and i love it and you just show the judge that you're happy to be there and you're having a good time and not only will that help you competitively but you know speech and debate will become a much better experience for you yeah that's some really good advice and um one final question before we do end this episode. Um, do you have any pieces of advice for someone trying to grow a podcast, um, specifically a speech and debate podcast? Right. So what you're going to want to do, one, is identify your target audience and where they are and have a way to communicate it with them. Um, so I identify my target audience as the people in Stoa who are just obsessed with Lincoln Dove's <laughs> community. Um, they're the people who are uh, constantly on Discord, um, all of them are single. Uh, <laughs> um, I will not comment on how socially successful they are, but you know, you you target your audience and then you give them give them what they want. And I'd recommend Spotify for podcasters. Um, it's a very easy easy way to get started uh, putting your podcast on Spotify. It's very very simple, um, and you know, just figure out who your target audience is, what they want, and you just give it to them. Awesome. Well, Daniel Six, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it.